Chapter Twelve of Dot and the Kangaroo. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dot and the Kangaroo by Ethel C. Pedley. Chapter Twelve. Although the kangaroo was longing to hear the reason why so many bush creatures had collected round Dot whilst she was away, she was too anxious to carry her to Willy Wagtail before nightfall to wait and inquire what had happened. Dot, too, was so excited at hearing that her way home had been found that she could only think of the delight of seeing her father and mother again. So the kangaroo had hopped until she was tired and needed rest before they spoke. Then Dot described the trial. And made the kangaroo laugh about the cockatoo judge, but she did not say how it had all ended, because the kangaroo had forgiven Dot for humans making rugs of her fur, boots of her skin, and soup of her tail. She was afraid of hurting her feelings by mentioning such delicate subjects. The kangaroo never noticed that anything was left out, because she was bursting to relate her interview with Willie Wagtail. She told Dot how she had found Willie Wagtail near his old haunt. How that gossiping little bird had told all the news of the gabble babble town and district in ten minutes, and how he had said he believed he knew Dot by sight, and that if such were the case, he would show Dot and the kangaroo the way to the little girl's home. Then Dot and the kangaroo hurried on their way again. The little girl sometimes running and walking to rest the kind animal, and sometimes being carried in that soft, cosy pouch that had been her cradle and carriage for all those days. It was quite dusk by the time they arrived at a split rail fence and heard a little bird singing, "Sweet pretty creature, sweet pretty creature." That is Willie Wagtail making love," said the kangaroo with a humorous twinkle in her quiet eyes. "Peep round the bush," she said to Dot, "and you'll see them spooning." Dot glanced through the branches and saw two wagtails who looked very smart with their black coats and white waistcoats sitting on two posts of the fence a little way off. They were each pretending that their long, big tails were too heavy to balance them properly, and they seemed to be always just saving themselves from toppling off their perch. Occasionally, Willie would dart into the air to show what an expert in flying he was. He would shoot straight upwards, turn a double somersault backwards, and wing off in the direction one least expected. Afterwards, he would return to his post as calm and cool as if he had done nothing surprising, and say, "Pretty, pretty, chip, pity, chip." That name meaning the other wagtail. Then Chip Pity Chip showed off her flying, and they both said to one another, "Sweet pretty creature." At the sound of Dot and the kangaroo's approach, Chip Pity Chip hid herself in a tree, and Willie Wagtail, not knowing who was disturbing them, scolded angrily. But when he saw the kangaroo and the little girl, he gave them the most cordial greeting and wobbled about on a rail as if he must tumble off every second. This is Dot," said the kangaroo a little anxiously and rather breathless with the speed she had made. "Just as I had expected," exclaimed Willie Wagtail with a jerk of his tail, which nearly sent him headlong off the rail. "I should know you anywhere, little human, though you do look a bit different. You want preening," he added. This last remark was an allusion to Dot's appearance, which certainly was most untidy and dirty. For beyond an occasional lick from the kangaroo, she had been five days without being tidied and cleaned. I couldn't do it better," said the kangaroo apologetically. "It doesn't matter at all," said Dot, putting her tangled curls back from her eyes. "Well, I know where you live," gabbled off the wagtail. "It's the second big paddock from here, if you follow the belt of the sheoak trees over there. It's a house just like those things in Gabble Babble Township. There's a yellow sheep dog who's very good-tempered 
and a black one that made a snap at my tail the other day. There's an old gray cart horse, an honest fellow, but rather dull, and a bay mare who is much better company. There's a little red cow who is a great friend of mine, and she had a calf a few days before you were lost. Dear me, exclaimed the gossiping bird, what a fuss there has been these five days over trying to find you. I've been over there every day to see the sight. Such a lot of humans, and such horses. I enjoyed myself immensely, and made a lot of friends amongst the horses, but I didn't care so much for the dogs. I thought them a nasty, quarrelsome lot. I went with the whole turnout to see the search. Goodness, the distances they went, and the noise and the big fires they made, it was exciting fun. They brought over some black humans, trackers is what they are called, at least the mounted troopers' horses told me so. My word, the troopers' horses are jolly fellows. Well, these black trackers went in front of each party just like dogs, with their heads to the ground, and they turned over every leaf and twig, and said if a human, a horse, or a kangaroo had broken it, or been that way. They found your track fast enough, but one evening it came to an end quite suddenly, and weren't they all surprised. I heard from a trooper's horse, such a nice horse he was, that the trackers and white humans said it was just as if you had disappeared into the sky. There was just a bit of your fur on a bush, and nothing anywhere else but a kangaroo's trail. No one could make it out. That was when I took you in my pouch, exclaimed the kangaroo. Now, said the wagtail, most of them have given up the search. Just this evening Dot's father and a few other humans came back, and the yellow sheepdog told me the last big party is to start at noon tomorrow, and after that there will be no more attempt to find Dot. Only the sheepdog said he heard his master say he would go on hunting alone until he found her body. I haven't been over there today, wound up the bird. They are all so miserable and tired it gave me the blues yesterday. What are we to do? It is quite dark and late, asked the kangaroo. You'd better stay here, counseled the wagtail. One night more or less doesn't matter, and I don't like leaving Chip Pity Chip at night time. She likes me to sing to her all night, because she is nervous. I'll go with you tomorrow morning early, if you will wait here until then. Having found your lost way so far, said the kangaroo to Dot, it would be a pity to risk losing it again, so we'd better wait for Willie Wagtail to guide us tomorrow. To tell the truth, the kangaroo was very glad of the excuse to keep Dot one night more before parting from her. It will seem like losing my little joy again when I am once more alone, she said sadly. But you will never go far away, said Dot. I should cry if I thought you would never come to see me. You will live on our selection, won't you? But the kangaroo looked very doubtful, and said that she loved Dot, but she was afraid of humans and their dogs. After a supper of berries and grass, Dot and the kangaroo lay down for the night, in a little bower of bushes, but they talked until very late, of how they were to manage to reach Dot's home without danger from guns and dogs. At last, when they tried to sleep, they could not do so on account of Willie Wagtail's singing to his sweetheart, Sweet pretty creature, sweet pretty creature, without stopping, for more than five minutes at a time. I wonder Chip Pity Chip doesn't get tired of that song, said Dot. She never does, yawned the kangaroo, and he never tires of singing it. Sweet pretty creature, sang Willie Wagtail. End of chapter 12